Welcome to the Action for Happiness podcast, and as always, I'm your host, Guy. In this episode, we're joined by Kelly Harding, the author of The Rabbit Effect. Now, when the Columbia University doctor began her clinical practice, Kelly never intended to explore the invisible factors behind our health, but this path led her to discover the incredible beauty of kindness and how even rabbits lived longer and were healthier the more they were shown human kindness and touch. So what does that say about how negative people can really affect us and also how kindness and how we choose to treat others can have amazing positive effects? There are you know, hundreds of studies that basically reinforce the same thing over and over. And that's how we treat each other and how we're treated in our day-to-day lives matters profoundly for our health. Feeding the rabbits, she was also picking up the rabbits, she was petting the rabbits, she was talking to the rabbits, she was basically showing them love and kindness. And, you know, much to their credit, they wondered, could somehow the social world be changing this animal's physiology? Like, could caring actually change the animal's biology. Well, so, you know, when I went to medical school, I never imagined that, you know, how we're being treated would be changing our biology. We tend to think of ourselves as like individuals walking around, but, you know, our body is actually constantly interacting with our social environment. And it's important for people to recognize that that's actually a really important part of health. So, you know, it really matters, you know, whether it's in our homes and how we're treating, we were talking earlier about kids, like how we're treating our children, how we're treating our partners, how we're treating, you know, the people in our lives, our interactions, also our relationship with our neighborhood. Action for Happiness is a movement of people committed to building a happier and more caring society. And the guests we have on the podcast really epitomize this. Don't forget to like, follow and subscribe to not miss out on any episodes. And visit the website actionforhappiness.org for more details and to access the latest audio and video episodes. First of all, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. Oh, thank you. And likewise, I appreciate your patience. You gave a wonderful talk at the Action for Happiness event last month, really about the power of kindness. Right, surprising topic. But kindness, gratitude, and the quality of relationships, that really is very much the backbone and the philosophy of Action for Happiness. So very thrilled to be talking with you today. Now, you really set the scene when you spoke about some of your history, your journey into the field of medicine and psychiatry. So perhaps if you could, it would be really cool if you could tell our listeners, you know, what shaped that for you and and, and what led you down that path? So... So I never really intended to study the hidden factors behind our health, but it became this question of what are we missing in medicine? Because the patients we kept seeing, it was the same sort of story where, you know, two people with the same diagnosis would have two very different courses of illness based on seemingly kind of irrelevant things like how far they went in school or their relationships in their life. And It led me to try to understand better what was exactly happening and how could we all live happier and healthier lives. Right. And so this culminated in in your latest book, The the Rabbit Effect. Uh, And I quote, live longer, happier and healthier with the groundbreaking science of kindness. So this book holds many gems and many wonderful points. Um, So can you explain at a high level you know, what was the study about um, and what were the some of the quite incredible findings? Because I just like to really just dig into to some of the some of the results from that. Sure. So 
so there's the study that the book is named after, the rabbit effect. But um, but I just to be clear with listeners, there are you know hundreds of studies that basically reinforce the same thing over and over, and that's how we treat each other and how we're treated in our day to day lives matters profoundly for our health. And you know that's why I felt so compelled to write this book because it felt like the kind of thing that every single human being out there needs to know that our well-being matters a lot. So um, to back up for the rabbit study, though, so what that involved was basically the study back in the late 1970s. They were looking at heart health in rabbits, and the study was designed for something totally different. Um, but what they found is that, you know, this researcher, Dr. Robert Aram, was doing the study, and all the rabbits had the same high-fat diet. They were all basically genetically identical. And then one group of rabbits had really different health outcomes than all the other groups. And so he figured out something was going on. So he, you know, they, they double-checked the protocol. Everything checked out. Then what they ended up doing is looking at themselves. And they noticed a kind and caring researcher just feeding the rabbits. She was also picking up the rabbits. She was petting the rabbits. She was talking to the rabbits. She was basically showing them love and kindness. And, you know, much to their credit, they wondered, could somehow the social world be changing this animal's physiology? Like, could caring actually change the animal's biology? And um, so they replicated the study, this time with really tightly controlled conditions, and they got the exact same results. And they published it in the journal Science, which is a really prestigious journal. And, um, you know, like many, many studies, it, um, you know, a lot of times things go into medical journals, but they don't make it out to the people who need that information. And what's really cool is that study is just one, it's like the tip of the iceberg of all these decades of studies that show that kindness really impacts our health. Um, it's, it's a fun study because, um, I don't know, I, I really love studies, medical studies where you know they're looking for one thing, but then they find something totally different and unexpected. I mean, it's like how penicillin was invented, right? Like uh, an accidental finding, essentially. So what was really the, the really surprising and the you know, and, and the really amazing result of that, you know, what does that mean? Well, so, you know, when I went to medical school, I never imagined that, you know, how we're being treated would be changing our biology. We tend to think of ourselves as like individuals walking around, but, you know, our body is actually constantly interacting with our social environment and it's also our physical environment as well. But um, it's important for people to recognize that that's actually a really important part of health. So, you know, it really matters, you know, whether it's in our homes and how we're treating, we were talking earlier about kids, like how we're treating our children, how we're treating our partners, how we're treating, you know, the people in our lives, our interactions, also our relationship with our neighborhoods, our, how we feel at work and how secure we feel in our schools, like all of that matters to health, which, um, it's really exciting because, you know, I think there's this idea that when most people think about health, they're really thinking about, you know, lifestyle stuff like diet and exercise and sleep, but actually interest to the doctor, but actually it's our day-to-day -day interactions that really make a big difference. And that, that's really important to stress because you may, you may go to the doctor, you know, once every, you know, six months or a year even, um, but you're every day you're making choices about your health that may not involve the gym or your mm -hmm. diet yeah and you know just to kind of really emphasize 
the beauty of the story where, you know, the the rabbits that were shown a bit of that, you know, what you put kindness and talking to were the ones that did far better. You know, when you stop to think, well, as humans, because, you know, the idea of, you know, what's the word when we kind of, we transpose the, the effects of animals onto ourselves. Like, I forgot the word. It's anthropomorphize or... Um, yeah, that's it. What is it? <laughs> um, anthropomorphize, where you kind of, you attribute human characteristics to the way that animals react, right? The idea, like, when my son was born, we were told to, like, rest the, you know, the child's skin on skin because there's so much good effect of that, that contact, yeah. right? So, you know, so, so how does that relate to that? So, you know, touch and positive loving touch is yeah. important for every single human being from the moment we're born yes. you know, until the day we die. So it's, um, that is one piece of this that, mm -hmm. and you know, there's so many interesting studies around that because we tend to not think about touch as affecting health so profoundly, but you know, a lot of the studies and ones that I talk about in the book have to do with what's known as kangaroo care. And it's essentially what you're describing, yeah. like, you know, taking a newborn baby and holding them close to mm -hmm. your skin, actually it's changing physiology and these scientifically proven. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, you know, one of the ways we know that was because um, there were studies that were done in circumstances of extreme poverty where, you know, the sort of like high tech medical thing to do was to put the baby in an incubator, but there weren't enough incubators to go around. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, they found that the babies that were being held by wow. their caregiver, mm -hmm. very close skin on skin, were surviving at rates far higher than the babies that were in the incubator. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, part of this is so intuitive to us as human beings because I think you know we all feel better with like a supportive hand on our shoulder yeah. like a hug from a loved mm -hmm. one you know but it actually or you know being held by somebody we love but the reality is that you know oftentimes medically that's not how we think about biology working but yet in fact that is what's happening yeah. so um and so, you know, because of that, I think it's really important. Like we've also done things in medicine, like historically, where it's like, you know, taking kids who are living in orphanages and sort of isolating them. But in fact, they do much better when they've got social support and when they're in contact yeah. with people around them. So it's kind of, it's all these like unintended consequences. A crazy st stat that you mentioned that 20, 10 to 20% of, you know, overall health status is down to healthcare. Whereas more right. importantly, the ratio is like, it's how we react and interact with others is a much better indicator of, you know, of health, right? And, and how healthy we're going to be in the future. I think for me, that was quite shocking because like you mentioned, it's important to have healthcare. It's important that you get seen by a doctor, but really way more important than that is like, well, how good is our relationships with your wife or with your neighbor and with your colleagues and with your friends and, you know, and if you don't have that, how detrimental is that to your health? And the importance of knowing that is that, okay, now that I know that, if, I, if I'm lacking in these areas, well, perhaps if I'm not feeling happy, I don't feel, you know, my well-being is low, then perhaps these are the areas that I should be focusing on. And so yeah. it's great. It's a great insight to think, okay, well, you know, I don't actually get on with any of my colleagues, but I'm spending, you know, nine hours a day with them each day. Well, how important... Is that to my health, right? And so by yeah. knowing that, it's like, okay, so my relationship, the, 
the quality of my relationship with my colleague that I'm spending, you know, most of my time with five days a week does, you know, the better that is, is more effective on my health than me going to see the doctor. And that, that, that for me was a really eye-opening lesson. Well, that's the thing. Like we all feel like it's important that we have, you know, a good doctor and that is absolutely important. Um, but most of us don't think of like having a good manager or being a good manager yes. is also an important part of health. Mm -hmm. And, and actually we know this because of these large population studies that were done in England and, you know, looking at people's health outcomes closely related to their workplaces and how they were treated in those workplaces. And so, um, you know, a lot of times I think, especially in our modern day, we can get so focused on the outcome, but we want to be thinking about the process and how we're supporting each other as part of that too. And the really curious thing is we actually know from all this, you know, stuff that's been done actually in the business world that teams that are supportive of their coworkers actually have better health outcomes. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, think about it. When you're relaxed, you tend to be more creative, more engaged. Um, yeah. Whereas like when you're feeling stressed under pressure, you know, you're using parts of your brain that are less able to contribute. So, you know, you actually get better health out or sorry, you actually get better productivity outcomes mm -hmm. when you are kind to your coworkers and supportive of your coworkers as human beings, which um, I think we really have to look how we're treating each other in our workplaces. And that includes hospitals <laughs> as well. Yeah. Well, you know, you speak of the interactions at home, in the hospitals, in in the schools, and in the workplace. But what do you, well, you know, what are your views on social media and how you know how pervasive it is in our society, especially in 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 teenagers, for example, where we see now like a highest um, result in suicides um, and depression, anxiety, etc. You know, so speaking exactly what you're talking about, these interactions. What about these virtual interactions? How important of a role do they play? Well, you know, technology is kind of a mixed bag. Like, obviously, we're having this conversation. Like, I'm mm -hmm. sitting here in New York City. It's and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. sitting in the UK. And mm -hmm. it's amazing. Like, technology is, is helping us do that. But at the same time, like, our relationship with technology, because of how quickly it's changed in our lives, like, since the invention of the smartphone 12 years ago, like, life is not it's changed in so many ways, but we haven't yeah. yet put sort of like the social norms around it. So, you know, we know from the data that face-to-face -face connection is so critical mm -hmm. for our health and well-being. And actually, this is a nice reason to be Skyping and I get to actually see you as opposed to just talking on the phone. Yeah. But um, we also know that, you know, we're looking at our phones more and more throughout the day. Like, I, I mean, it's funny because like you look at the numbers, it's like, yeah, especially among young people, it's like they're looking at their phones like six hours a day or something. It's like, how is how are there yeah. even that many hours in the day to do sure. that? So as, as much as you can, um, we all need to be setting parameters around our phones. And it's not just young people. It's all of us like um, in terms of, you know, putting our phones away when we're sharing a meal with somebody, you know, just being much more mindful of the parameters around it, because we know that um, there are some positives to it, but we need to be putting also like a lot more, um, we, we need to like rethink our relationship with technology to some mm -hmm. extent. So because that face-to-face -face contact is so key, it's especially key when it comes to developing empathy. I know that you've had empathy experts on your show, but that's also a big piece of it too. Yeah. 
I see like approximately 34% of students report experience cyberbullying during their lifetime. And of those, 60% of students of cyberbullying um, immensely impacted their ability to learn and to feel safe while at school. You know, you can just imagine the trauma and the, the stress that it puts on, on those students. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big piece of it. And it's actually one of the reasons I just love Action for Happiness is I think, you know, you're really tackling head on loneliness. And I think, you know, we can feel so alone and whether we feel alone with or without bullying, I think, you know, it's something that we have to be thinking about our connections and not, yeah. you know, technology is great in some respects, but we also have to be careful of the other aspects of it. So, um, you know, when it comes to things like, I, it actually just reminds me, like, all you have to do is sort of Google, why do I feel so, and see what comes up. It's like, why do I feel so lonely? Mm. You know, why, why do I feel so hopeless? Um, why do I feel so tired, which is often um, uh, something that goes along with low mood. Um, and, you know, we're not, we're not doing great. Like, we know there's a lot of pain out there, and we can do better to address it. So, yeah. you know, I think, what you're doing exactly is highlighting, you know, just even talking about it, that it's out there, it's, it's doing a service so that yep. all of us can just know we're, we're not alone in this. Yeah. And, and the truth of the matter is, you know, many people wake up each day feeling that they're not worthy. They don't feel like they don't want to get out of bed and they feel, you know, what's the point? And so we wake up and we, you know, we've got our own daily problems, but there, you know, there's a whole spectrum of like, you know, how difficult it is for you to face some of the challenges of the day. But for you to, to understand that it is actually normal to, to feel that way. Everyone goes through those, those negative thoughts, but it's understanding that things like kindness and your interactions can actually help provide like a a staple like a, a foundation or a framework for you to you know to get that the extra happiness and the you know that boost you know for those social interactions absolutely so kindness is nice because it actually connects you to the person that you're giving kindness to mm -hmm. so it's not just good for the receiver it's good for the giver as yeah. well and what's nice is like you can't overdose on it too yeah. but it gives you this a uh, nice boost mm -hmm. to your mood um so actually sometimes when you're in a low mood one of the best and easiest things to do is an act of kindness like a, even yeah. a random act of kindness like something as simple as like you know you could buy somebody behind you their cup of coffee or something or yeah. uh you know pay somebody's toll or just do something that just for the sheer joy of nothing mm -hmm. in return just doing something actually gives you quite yep. a boost actually my son and i just recently did this we um were in a bookstore and somebody was kind to us unexpectedly so we had to plan to <laughs> figure out a way that we could be <laughs> kind and we decided we wrote these little notes um saying like thank you for making the world a kinder place. Like, and we put um, a little bit of money into each mm -hmm. note and then we flipped it into some copies of the rabbit effect that were around the store. So if somebody oh, nice, opened it up, nice. they got yeah. but I have to say it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. Like we had the best time doing it that, yeah. and who knows whatever became of those envelopes, but you know, mm -hmm. just the idea of sort of spreading kindness and it's got this lovely ripple effect too because you know when somebody else is kind to you you tend to pass it on and yeah. the fun thing is it often comes back to you in a weird way too so um yeah. 
but that's not the reason necessarily to do it, as you know. You're listening to the Action for Happiness podcast. My name is Guy, and on today's episode, we're joined by Kelly Harding, author of The Rabbit Effect. In this second part, we talk statistics, mindfulness, and what matters most. Got a few stats and comments that you made. And I, I want to throw a few out and then, you know, perhaps if you could just like give your feedback on it. So loneliness is as risky to health as 15 cigarettes a day, high blood pressure and, and being overweight. It's actually more significant in some studies than being overweight, um, mm. which is amazing because we talk a lot about weight, but, you know, not always as much about like you have somebody that you can call that mm. you're, you know, to talk over a difficult situation. Right. Or you're close to. All right, next one, education. So for everyone life saved by biomedicine, you know, um, education saves eight times that amount. Yeah, right? That's nuts. (laughs) That's crazy. I'm like, you know, we have to focus on this a little bit, so... Yeah, well, so that's, and the other thing, that, well, there are a couple things around education that are important for people listening to understand. So one is it's formal education, is a lot of the studies have been done around. So, um, but the other thing is, you know, our brains are growing throughout our lifespan. And that's mm-hmm. actually something, for a long time, I was thought, like, you really only learn when you're young, but actually we're growing connections our entire life. And so what's really cool about that is your entire life, you can be a lifelong learner. Yeah. And you want to find things, like, I love Action for Happiness because they have, like, so many classes and ways to connect with other people. Yeah. And also, you know, in your local communities you can think about ways to do that um, often low cost which are wonderful um, and then the other thing is that ties into our greater sense of purpose and we know that people who have a sense of purpose you know having a reason to get out of bed in the morning mm-hmm. is actually really good for our health and studies show that it people have reduced all-cause mortality so like across mm-hmm. the board they're dying of less stuff when there's a high sense of purpose and that can be somebody mm-hmm. else or something else or yep. Um, but we all need something. And that's why if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, once you've got the basics of like a roof over your head and food to eat, then you can transition to the next levels where it's like, you know, what am I here for? What am I trying to achieve? And it's the idea of that sense of purpose. And those, once you're able to kind of like do something where you think that aligns with your sense of purpose, you're able to kind of, you know, get that sense of happiness and that reward, right? Which, which you speak about. Uh, and you say, well, you said the people with a sense of purpose, you know, a significant less risk of all causes of death. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because it was sort of those medical mysteries that got me interested in this in the first place. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of like, and it's something a lot of clinicians see, you know, people who are very eager to make it to like a certain event in their mm-hmm. life, whether it be like a child's wedding or... A graduation, um, you know, yeah, yeah. A graduation, mm-hmm. a birthday, mm-hmm. something like that. It's we all need something to strive for, and it's fascinating because it defies biology. Kind of in my previous understanding of it, is that you know, like we we have data that sort of like you're you're more likely to die like right around your birthday, which is just weird. <laughs> yeah. Statistically, that wouldn't be the case, but it's like there's something about like I'm you know having something to aim for yeah. that seems to be affecting our physiology. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really cool because that's where like all this like population data combines with all this like basic science data on a molecular level of what's happening. And that's why, you know, so I was reading um, 
well, for many years now, the, the book A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Oh, I love that book, yeah. And he talks about how um, he would see his, you know, his fellow inmates when, when someone received an, a letter that their family or their loved ones had passed away, their hope just kind of like extinguished. And those that had their hope extinguished would pass away, you know, within, within a couple of weeks. And it was like those that knew that their loved ones were still alive and that there was still a chance of something, a bit of sunlight, a bit of hope. Those were the people that were able to kind of keep fighting on. And I feel that that's, um, you know, I think it aligns perfectly with what you're saying. The, this idea of, you know, something positive to, to grasp onto. And that's actually a really beautiful and heartbreaking example of what we're talking about. It's mm -hmm. true. And, um, you know, there's research that people are more likely to die in the six months around their spouse. Um, and yeah. so there are things like that that just to be aware of, you know, are, I mean, it, physiologically, it shouldn't, that shouldn't be the case, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, that a spouse with an unrelated, you know, physical condition mm -hmm. would die within the six month period, but we know it. And a lot of it has to do, you know, we talk about people dying of a broken heart, but like we really have to. It's that going back to that loneliness, right? That first point you mentioned. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's loneliness. And then it's also our deep connection to each other. So, you know, when for anyone out there who's listening, that's experienced the significant loss is also thinking about the supports that you can put into place when something like you know, something like that happens. And for families that are also experiencing that, like making yeah. sure those supports are in place. Cause you know, I think especially after somebody passes away, we often do a good job in like the sort of like initial weeks afterwards, but then, you know, yeah. months out, we are not necessarily yeah. as, as present. So finally, a couple of points I want to end with, you know, when you talk about kindness, you know, number one, helping to prevent disease which is a massive learning lesson because we're talking about the way we we interact with people can physically affect the way disease yeah. affects us. And number yeah. two is to deal with them. If you do have some kind of disease, you know, dealing it with the kindness actually helps the process and prolongs it. And, you know, yeah, it has a lot of positive effects on that. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We all have human bodies, and human bodies are unfortunately prone to, you know, developing diseases over time. But we want to make sure that whatever comes or whatever happens, mm -hmm. that, you know, we navigate it the best we can. And we know that kindness really buffers stress, and it buffers all the negative stuff that happens. And that's the kindness we give to other people, and it's the kindness we get from other people, too. So, you know, we can, and it's in unlimited supply. So it's just yeah. the kind of thing, it's nice to know we can actually make a real difference. Um, and a big part of that is, you know, also being kind to ourselves. And that can include practices exactly like what you were talking about with mindfulness, with mm. meditation, you know, other things. Gratitude, to, yeah. And gratitude is yeah. a big one as well. Mm. And isn't it, isn't it just incredible though? And I think that's the thing that's so striking to me is, isn't it incredible just how connected we all are to one another? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the sooner that we can sort of see our commonalities and how much we have in common, the better off all of us will be, yeah. essentially. And that's why yeah. on a personal note, you know, when I talk about 
Brexit and stuff. It's like anything that kind of like separates versus, you know, incorporates. It's just like, I, I just don't see the point of all the stuff that we could be voting upon. Yeah. Like climate change and, you know, we're like this, this incredible mass extinction now. We're like 65 all species over the past 10 years are now like extinct because of what we're doing. It's like, if I were to vote on something like that, I'd be more engaged and, and, you know, take part in. But when we talk about Brexit and, you know, whether we're part of the European Union or not, it's like my, my, my focus is really more on, you know, if we were to take the top five things that mattered, you know, where does Brexit lie upon them? And it doesn't hit my top five. You know, it's just a bit frustrating. You know? I think, um, I mean, we're seeing that in all different parts of the world that, um, you know, we're very focused on our differences and it can be very difficult to think about our commonalities. But, yeah. you know, I think, especially when we think about climate change, I mean, we recognize we're all on the same boat. Like we're, you know, we're in this together and the more that we can work together, actually yeah. bigger changes we can make. And I think, you know, for me, something that's, been very heartwarming and it has been a nice side effect of the book was going around the world to talk mm -hmm. to people about kindness is how many people out there really feel the same way like they really want to work together and we're sure we're going to have differences but we have to find ways to, mm. to figure them out that still treat people with dignity and um, you know we don't always have to see eye to eye but we have to figure out a way to have conversations about the difficult challenges yeah. we face so on the night, if we wanted to find out a little bit more about you, we wanted to get a copy of The Rabbit Effect, you know, what do we do? Where do we go? Well, so it should be available now in the UK, uh, hopefully everywhere. Um, I know it's on like Amazon and other booksellers. Um, Links uh, below. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, and also there, I recorded the audio book for it too. So hopefully that's also available. Okay, cool. And then... Um, I have a website. It's uh, kellyhardingmd.com, which okay. uh, everyone's welcome to check out. And I'm on social media now. Um, mm -hmm. And I really enjoy hearing from people. It's been really heartwarming to hear people's experiences. Yeah. And um, again, I would just impart for anybody listening, you know, to think about something that they could do today, even right after this, to just spread a little kindness or to reach out to somebody mm -hmm. who they think may be feeling a little bit lonely. It could mean the world to that person. And so one final question, what, in the Action for Happiness spirit, what matters most to you? Ah. Well, my family, yeah. And mm -hmm. beyond family, I would say, um, gosh, that's a really lovely question, thinking about it. It's a very kind of like all-encompassing kind of question, right? But... You know, yep. given the journey you've been on and the the books you've read, the research and where you're at now, you know, what, what, what does matter most to you? So I think, I mean, the thing that really matters the most, and it's the same message of the book, is relationships. Like really thinking about those positive relationships in your life and doing what you can to build them out. Because I think, you know, at the end of the day, and I talk about this in the book, like, you know, we can get caught up on like, accomplishments or things like that but in reality it's like you know it's our connections to other people that are the most important thing at the end of the day and um i know because i've had the privilege of being with a lot of people at the end of their life as well you know that's mm -hmm. ultimately what seems to be most important well i hope we keep in touch you know and um 
hopefully uh, we get to meet face to face at some point very soon so you know, really respect what you're doing and anyone that's trying to help you know serve the betterment of society that's that's what i'm all about so you know kudos to you it sounds good thank you for all your work and thank all you right. for piecing it together and bearing absolutely, with me absolutely absolutely all okay. right you take care speak okay. to you soon all right take care bye-bye bye. Bye. and remember if you'd like to help create a kinder and happier world please get involved with action for happiness you can join thousands of others who are spreading a bit more happiness in their homes workplaces schools and local communities our website has all the information you need to sign up for our Exploring What Matters course and also details about facilitating one yourself. All the information is online and we're happy to answer any questions you have. Don't forget to subscribe, like and follow to keep up to date with all our content and find out more at actionforhappiness.org. Join the movement, be the change.